This episode of Truth's Table is brought to you by InterVarsity Press, whose vision is to catalyze redemption, restoration, and revival in our divided and broken world. Follow IVP on Twitter at IVPress and visit IVP's website at www.ivpress.com. Welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm Kamini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, See How you doing, girl? Well, I am. I'm glad to be on the podcast. I'm glad to be on the podcast. <laughs> I was thinking glad to be in the service, but glad to be in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, how are you today? I'm glad you're on the podcast, too. Um, <laughs> I'm doing good. You know, the weather was a little bit warmer today. I mean, Come I do on. have concerns that we didn't really have a real winter because global yeah. warming. Yeah. Um, but yeah. also, I hate winter. So it's like a love-hate situation. I know. Right now. I know. <laughs> I know. But you know what? I am grateful that the sun is shining. I got the activity of my limbs. You okay. know, I got the joy of Jesus in my heart. Yes. So Are you, are you clothed in your right mind? I but am. Are you clothed in your right mind? Let's so I, am. I don't think yeah. people realize how how important the weather is to us. Like we talk a lot about oh, weather goodness. and it's and it's actually not it's not like um it's not filler talk. Like we are serious no. about the weather in our brains. So we are. Know, know that y'all are literally hearing a mental health moment right now. <laughs> Truly. And also shout out to B12. Amen. Yes. Amen. <laughs> hey, I, told, I, told, told I told you. I was like, get your B12, okay? You did, girl. And then the next day I went and I was like, I need to get my B12. <laughs> <So> anyway. <laughs> well, y'all know. Okay, so Michelle's not at the table. So that can only mean one thing. It's a Black Girl Magic episode. Come Duh. on. Come on. Cue the charms. <laughs> and y'all are never going to guess who we have at the table. See what who who do you who do you think? And you think they're gonna be able to guess who it is? <laughs> I don't know what they're gonna do. If they read the if they read the notes, then they certainly will know. <laughs> oh dang it, you're right. Never mind. <laughs> All right. Well, without further ado, they're, they're never girl, surprised. <laughs> they're never completely surprised. You're right. Actually, they, sometimes we try to we, we we try to pull a little something out. Um, but we have Kimberly Williams at the table with us. Hey Kimberly. Hey. <laughs> so glad to be here. Oh, we are so glad to have you and y'all just in case you don't know who Kimberly Williams is. Let me tell you a little something about about the sister. Please let them know. Kimberly Williams emerges as a woman of God who believes in multicultural worship and has a desire to see every nation, tribe, and tongue worshiping together. Kimberly is a singer, songwriter, and instrumentalist for Christian ministry, urban doxology, as well as a worship pastor for the District Church in Washington, D.C. As a songwriter and independent recording artist, Kimberly proclaims her faith in God through the realities of her experience. Her work is deeply rooted in her own identity and resonates truth in the hearts of many. Kimberly is also a gifted and powerful speaker, a graduate of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. She uses her voice to make scripture accessible and engaging to different audiences. She is happily married to the love of her life, Cameron Williams. Welcome to the table, Kimberly. I'm so glad to be here. Woo! 
let's go yes 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 y'all i mean first of all what's not in her bio is the fact that she's a prophetess it has a word in season for your life okay i'm a witness i am a witness um <laughs> so Look, kimberly don't, don't have go ahead. Here, don't have people out here stalking her <laughs> you gotta work for me. You gotta work for me. You gotta uh, work. <laughs> no, but um, Kimberly, I mean, my goodness, like, please talk to our listeners and tell them just about your faith journey and just how you came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's been an interesting one. I am a PK, so born and raised in the church. My father um, pastored, and we were a church planting family. So I've mm-hmm. kind of always been, yeah, and we were a black church planting family. In, I guess, the 90s, which is when um, churches were getting it even less right than they are now. Um, So it was interesting. It was an interesting journey. But um, my uh, parents were actually really, really, um, well, really, really stressed this idea of knowing my worth. And so part of the ways they did that was by immersing me in um, just education about my race, but also about what it meant to be a woman of God. So I gave my life to Christ actually in a true love weights class, which is, I feel like crazy to me because it was one of those, like, (laughs) make sure all the pastor's kids aren't having sex, throw them in these like classes that tell them about purity. But for me, it was actually a moment where I like got to understand what self-worth looked like for me. And I was able to make a decision about what I wanted for my life and also my body. So it it was interesting, but, um, I went through that little ceremony and um, I just had an encounter with God and I felt like for the first time I was able to be seen and known fully in ways that like as a PK, you're kind of always either in the shadow of like the church itself or the shadow of your parents' leadership. But it was like for the first time I was able to be fully seen and known by like a God who Mm. loved me. Mm. Um, And I was Mm. super young though. So I was about seven years old. So everyone was like, your parents were talking to you about sex at seven. Yes. They were like, no, you're not doing it. (laughs) Like, Go to this class. No. Um, But yeah, that was my experience. And I felt like, um, I don't know, it really just, really shaped kind of the trajectory of my life. And and then that happening and then also being a part of a church planning family. And we were basically the Black family that was sent out to be at the multicultural church. So mm. they had this crazy, which of course, already recipe for disaster. So <laughs> they had this crazy idea. Let's get a Black preacher, um, uh, a Korean American preacher, and a white preacher and their families and make them go plant a church. Mm. Um, and needless to say, um, that was actually the first church we, um, as the Joneses got kicked out of, but, um, it was a struggle. It was, uh, yeah, we got kicked out of church. I have my whole like sob stories. I think as a family, we probably been kicked out of about three churches. And when I say kicked out, it's that call, that phone call you get like on a Monday evening where they're like, please don't come back. Like, we love you. Don't come back. Um, and basically, like, I feel like my father also has um, a prophetic gift and he loves mm-hmm. to challenge. Um, but it to me, like now looking back, I'm like, oh, my God, he was right. But as a child, I was like, 
like, God, please don't let them let my dad preach because he's going to preach and then we're going to get asked to leave. Um, but mainly things of like, it was always wow. about class or race. Um, mm-hmm. I remember one of the last services that we did, it was right after 9-11 And my dad uh, felt convicted to preach a sermon about forgiveness. And I think it was just too soon for the body, but he was just like, God has called us to forgive. And even though it's difficult, we have to figure out what reconciliation and forgiveness looks like with people who don't look or act like us. That was the whole sermon, which today people would be like, oh, that's so you know noble. But right after the tragedy, people were like, no, how dare you like... That's, you know, anti-American, it's anti, you know, Baptist, it's anti this, that, and the other. Um, And it was just, it was, it was really sad. Um, And the hard part for me in that was um, every community we went into, I was like, yeah, well, we're, we're trying to live as different, like, live fully in our identity and our racial identity and our cultural identity, but we're also trying to live together as followers of Christ. And all of everybody's a pastor, but for some reason, white customs and ideals are being elevated, even though Mm. we're all at this church together, you know, Uh even though, you know, it's three different cultural backgrounds coming together. One in particular is being elevated over the others. How is this ever going to be this multicultural church plan? So it was hard. Oh. I think the crazy thing is that the being a part of that church plant set at such a young age. So that was probably from about eight till 11. And so it was like formative years for me. And then like 11 to 13, yeah, we were right. still doing like, um, but it really, one, it cultivated my love for church because when you, it's, you're a church planning family, you are the, you and your sister, I have a sister, um, you're, you are the children's choir. You also are the youth group and you're the hospitality right. team and <laughs> you're tear, set up and tear down and your choir. So it kind of got, gave me this love for working and cultivating something at church, like creating a community. So it kind of, I just fell in love with like, yeah, on Sundays we wake up super early and we create this safe space for people to come and encounter God. Like that was the highlight of my life really, especially then. And Mm -hmm. then the bad thing though, is it taught me that like God's people can and will reject you. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you're so little, it's like, Mm -hmm. if like church, like for me, and this is the crazy thing for me, even still, when I have like a crazy dream about God or Jesus, like my dad is kind of God, which is weird. I never told him that. So hopefully he's not going to listen to this. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just like, but when you're so little, like the pastor is like the authority and the church mm. community is God. And so you start to think, okay, if the church rejects me, surely God will reject me. If the church mm. doesn't think my gifts or talents are enough, then how could God think my gifts or talents are enough. And so Mm. I think the hard part was it cultivated this deep love relationship for the church and church community, but it also distorted my view of God's view of me um, and my worth in the kingdom. And so like, I feel like uh, that was kind of my origin, but then I have spent the rest of my years trying to unlearn and redevelop a healthier relationship with the church. Mm. Wow. Wow. I mean, mm. well, it was so much in that in that narrative, Kimberly, about kind of right. you being being shaped pretty early to be a worship leader and understanding <laughs> um, church, you know, church administration as well as church politics. 
um, mm-hmm. and to get those lessons the hard way so early, mm-hmm. in, so early in life. And yet to be a person who today we, we thank God that you're a person who loves the local church um, and committed and <laughs> committed to serving it today. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this, this, despite that, that story, um, despite those real um, experiences. So I, so I know that ministry work has just kind of been in you since very early, but there's also along with that has been the ministry of music. So can you tell us a little bit about, um, yeah, your, your story with song, the way that, that music was introduced to you and kind of that instrument, that tool um, to, to serve God's people? Yeah. So I think um, the crazy thing is I now my the main uh, gift that I use on a Sunday morning um, would be my voice. But I started out as a clarinetist um, in church. My dad, especially when we were church planning, there are lots of times where we would start in house churches. And so my dad was not only my first pastor, but he was also my first worship leader. So he would always play guitar and we would sing songs and make up songs. And that was kind of what I experienced as worship to be. Um, But then I think as I continued to grow in church, I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. The last thing I want to do is be a worship leader. So I'm going to pick whatever instrument the church never uses. So I fell in love with the clarinet and I was like, great. I'm going to be a classical musician. I'm just going to, I'm going to do this like elevated form um, of music or whatever. So I spent, um, I was obsessed with it throughout just my child years. And then in high school, I did it and I got a full ride for college and I was just a clarinetist. And my main goal was to be placed in a major orchestra. I was doing pretty well. um, But then of course, in uh, the end of uh, college, I was still involved in campus ministry, but it was like, I still was able to have these two separate worlds. I was able to have a musical world and I was able to have my faith world and my faith world I sang, but like all black people sing. So it didn't matter. Like, <laughs> but I, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. This is what we do, which is not true. I hate it when people say all black true. people sing. It's <laughs> not true, but you know, <laughs> but for me, I was like, great. I can honor the Lord, but still have these worlds not collide. Mm. And the crazy thing is, and this is a true story, which still freaks me out because one day I want to thank this man, but I was in college. It was my last um, semester and I was doing like my recital and I was like, oh, I'm going to go to grad school. I'm going to audition. I found um, this guy from France that I really wanted to study with because usually after college you find someone to study under. And I was like subbing um, at the Baltimore Symphony and other things. So that it was like the goal. I've been doing it for years and years. Um, and I went to this church and it was like a revival weekend. The church is called Living Waters. It's actually in like the Towson area. And William McDowell mm-hmm. was there and he was leading worship. This is like oh. right after I give myself away. And I was wow. like, oh, William yeah. McDowell. Um, and <laughs> so he was leading worship. I kid to you not, he points to me and he's like, stand up. And, I, and he, I, I know he don't know who I am, but he points to me and he's a stand up. He's like, there are musical gifts in you and there are okay. faith gifts in you and there okay. they are and they're competing and you and, but God has called them to work together. Okay. All right. And that's, that's literally all he said. And then, so I'm like sobbing, wow. you know, it's a revival. So I'm already like, 
and Lloyd, you know, forgive me, you know. Um, and but it really <laughs> stuck with me. So I just was like, Lord, how are these things supposed to work together? Like I don't, you know, and it was literally right before my senior recital. So that's like the the pivotal of like your everything that you've learned, the collection of your works over the years. And I was like, okay, well, God really wants these things to work together. So I need to figure out a way to work together. And then I got in my mind this idea to go to seminary. So I was like, okay, I'm going to Google and see if there's a school with a major orchestra that's near, you know, some really, really famous clarinet. I just want to find, is there a, a combination of that? So I Googled it, found one school, which is the school I went to, Southwestern in Fort Worth, in the middle of Texas. Um, and that's a whole nother story, being a Black woman in that specific uh, location <laughs> for a number of years. Oh, um, but I just, so I was like, okay, well, God, I'm going to step out on faith. Um, and I had like $5,000 to my name. And I was like, God, this is where I feel like you're calling me to go. And I got on a plane, applied, got in, and that's where God landed me. And I was still only pursuing um, like just really being in a major orchestra by the age of 35 was the goal. So I was oh. still pursuing that fully, but then I was also studying Old Testament and New Testament theology and um, what systems actually help us get to what we believe. And so um, I'm really diving into ethnomusicology and what does it look like for different cultures to worship. So I just was eating all of that up, but still clarinet was like in the back burner. Um, and then I uh, got, and I know this is a crazy story, but then I got to... Um, my second semester had completely run out of money, had no food and was too ashamed to call my parents. So mm. I was like, I got to find, I got to make some money. I have to make some money. And, um, it was probably like, I was like, I'll take any job, any job. And I was applying for jobs, wasn't getting any, then found myself eating at a food bank. So I'm like, I'm in seminary trying to serve the Lord, trying to listen to what William McDowell said. And I'm out here eating out of cans. <laughs> Pissed. I was like, my pa- you know, if I go you home, like, my parents got like, all this food. Better feed me. <laughs> better feed me. He need to keep coming out with another album, and I'm over here. Um, but I, um, so I was desperate. I was, I was like, I followed an idea, and I'm here, and I'm desperate. And I was literally leaving the practice room because, um, you know, well, you have to practice like four to six hours a day when you're really trying to pursue an instrument. I'm leaving the practice room in the middle of the night. Um, the campus is predominantly white. I mean, like I said, that's a whole nother story, but mm-hmm. um, I, some random guy comes up to me and he's like, I kid you not. He's like, you're black. Do you sing? And I what? said, what? Um, what? Oh, what? <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> I, I basically was like, um, and I have, of course I have a clarinet on my back. Like I'm obviously an instrumentalist, but I was like, um, yes, I just answered yes. And he was like, well, you know, it's Texas. There's a lot of things that are segregated and my church is trying to desegregate. Right. So even when he used the language desegregate, I was like, what is the 1962 is happening? What in the 2020 is going on right now? And I said, yeah. And I was like, well, you know, what are you, what are you, looking for he was like we're looking for someone to come sing in our service who is black and i said well you know <laughs> <It's very> uh, <laughs> uh, okay 
okay, you know? And like, meanwhile, like I said, I'm in the middle of Texas, no family, no friends. I literally just moved out there, no car, eating at a food bank. Um, and I was, he was like, yeah, it's an internship. It pays $75 every two weeks. And I literally was like, I, I can eat off of 32 50 wait no $35 is that I can't even do the math I can eat I can eat with that money is basically what I said and I said well you know tell me the name of the church so he told me the name of the church I gave him my number stranger google the church google the church and he was just like well you know some students come occasionally we'll pick you up you should come to the church so I literally show up at this church and they're like, great, you're black. Do you sing? What songs can you sing? Do you know any songs? And literally, I started being okay, a, a worship wait, leader. Wait a minute, Kimberly. Wait, wait, wait. Stop. I need you to just, you know I, need a, I, need a, I need a full stop. I need a full stop on this story right now. Full stop. <laughs> are, are, are people literally saying to you the words, hey, you're black? What song do yes. you sing? Okay, bye-bye. Yes. Good day. Yes. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's the cultural climate. Wow. Um, and this was only... This My was uh, seven years ago. So it wasn't, it, this wasn't like, yeah, this was seven years ago. Mm-mm. So, that um, and that it just is not that long ago. It just was. And I think the hard part is wow. what we, what I had learned. Cause I've born and raised Baltimore city. Now I live and serve in the DC area. I've always been right. a part of major cities. I'm just a, Black city girl, right? And <laughs> city girl. And, and, um, and, 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 and. and it just, it just, so I've never really been as rural as that. Cause that's, it, it was Fort Worth, Texas, which is, you know, outside of Dallas, but Cowtown and people had really not been exposed to black people, black culture. Clearly. Or even no, they don't, it just was no, <laughs> you know, and the most heartbreaking part is, and these are Christians. So, you know, I'm I'm all I've mm-hmm. always been a little naive to think um that or maybe not naive but it's just what's always been difficult for me to grasp is the way that Christians view the image of God in each other especially when it comes to race mm-hmm. and class yeah. and gender yeah. and I'm like how can you not even know how to approach someone different but yet you're filled with the love of God I just can't it's just has always been a mystery but um, yeah, they were like, you're black, you sing. And look, what I told you, I just had, I was like, you, $75, right? Great. Okay, here we go. Right, <laughs> right, right. Um, which, of course, I'm not like that as much as I used to be, you know. But <laughs> come on, come on. We're we'll we'll food, you know. Right. And, um, I, 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 I appreciate the candor of your story because I, <laughs> I really do. I, because I don't think people, first of all, you just described like what's in the research around multicultural and multi ethnic churches. Like you, mm-hmm. you, like you put your finger right on it. But also, there are times when people literally are like, I'm young, I, I can't eat. I guess I'm going to sing this song right now. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. this, yeah. this, is, this is a true story. So I appreciate that. C- continue on. Continue on. Yeah. No, so, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I was going to say, I think, I think that is something that I've had to unwork because I never want, I do think that as minorities and especially as women, when people's first interaction with my gifts has been them buying or selling or monetizing what I have. It reinforces ownership and that's, it's a hard hole to get out of. So that's a whole nother thing. But, um, but in this moment, and I, you know, of course I had to learn that down the line, but 
Um, in this moment, I just was like, look, I have to survive. And I thought, I think, I still believe God has called me here. There has to be some way that he's going to work this out for my good. Um, and so I started singing at the church and I actually started loving it. I think it recultivated my love for the church community, mm. which is weird. Um, cause it was such a, I think it was such a contrast because the school, um, was and still is predominantly white and even the theology, I mean, it's, it's like I said, the school is a whole, a whole nother conversation, but, right. um, going through as a young black female seminarian in a, complimentarian girl say no more racist it just was a <laughs> difficult experience so that church even they're saying like you have something we don't have it might only be worth 75 dollars, but <laughs> you have something that we don't have and we want you to share it on a sunday was really really formative for me um and it also made me think that maybe this call of um just multicultural worship or not even multicultural worship, but this idea that revelation is not a joke. It's actually a vision of a greater community that God has called for us to have. Maybe that was also part of my life. It wasn't just a part of my parents' call, but it was also part of my call. And I think all of that was cultivated at this church. Um, and I began to sing and really sing like, cause they were like, well, you know, sing one solo, sing two solos, sing all the solos. And so um, I also think that my uh, vocal abilities grew there and also my prophetic voice lyrically yeah. grew there. Mm. What I had to say. And um, I learned that like people come up to me and be like, oh, I love your voice. Like, what is it? And I'm like, you're just hearing my suffering. Like the melodies you hear, mm. the mm. groans you hear, the texture in my voice. On, That's the scars and the woundedness and the healing that has taken place in it. So like, wow. I can't teach you, I can teach you some harmonies, but like what you're hearing is not, it's not even me or my giftedness. It's my story that's interwoven into my voice and into the melodies wow. and the song that God has given me. That's so, um, that's so profound and so rich, Kimberly. And I think um you, I, I actually, I'm so glad that you started to talk about your calling, you know, and how even God began to cultivate it and shape it um, in those spaces that were pretty oppressive. I think if, if that's fair to mm -hmm. say, yeah. um, and I, I actually want to, I want you to talk about this after the break. But I want to I, I want you to get you to thinking about it. But um, I want to talk to you about your calling um, as, as what what it means to be a worship pastor um, as a black woman um, in multi-ethnic uh, spaces, um, church spaces. And so I'd love to hear from you after the break. Well, so get thinking about it uh, and we will be back after this break, y'all. Have you ever felt too progressive for conservatives, but too conservative for progressives? Christians often feel like they are forced to choose between social justice and biblical values. And it's easy to become disillusioned with civic engagement or even fall back into tribal extremes. This state of affairs has damaged the Christian public witness and divided the church. The authors of the new book, Compassion and Conviction, represent the AND campaign, which exists to educate and organize Christians for faithful civic and cultural engagement. They make the biblical case for how it is possible to engage the political process with both love and truth, compassion, 
and conviction. And we have an exclusive offer for our Truth Table listeners. You can save 40% off on Compassion and Conviction, the Anne Campaign's Guide to Faithful Civic Engagement by Justin Gibney, Michael Ware, and Chris Butler when you use the promo code TRUTH20. That's promo code TRUTH20 when you purchase Compassion and Conviction at ivypress.com. All right, so we are back with Kimberly Williams at the table, y'all. She has just been sharing her story and being so transparent about and and what a story it is. Yes, I mean, I mean, William McDowell, prophetic words coming forth, traumatic, traumatic Rachel trauma. Oh my goodness! Um, and just, um, but right before the break, I asked um, Kimberly um, to talk to us about her calling as a worship pastor, particularly in like multi ethnic spaces. Now, our callings do shift and change. So I'm not putting that on you for the rest of your life, Kimberly, but I'm just curious about um, what your experience has been um, being a worship pastor and if there have been struggles, if there have been triumphs or um, and if the Lord has um, been able to shore you up um, in that space as a worship pastor. Yeah, there have, of course, been so many trials, um, but I think I'm finally getting to a point in my life where I'm really realizing what it looks like to carry the light and easy yoke that God offers, but then also acknowledge Mm. the power and the strength in, in trials and how that is not only beneficial to me and mine, but to the greater Mm. community. And Mm -hmm. lately I've just been, (laughs) it's just, I just, I'm, I know I'm, I feel like I'm painfully aware at this moment in my life that everything I have is because of the sacrifices of my mother and her mother and her mother and her Come mother. <laughs> and I don't want to waste that. And mm-hmm. so because of that, I feel responsibility to take up space in areas that Black women have not taken up space, especially in the church. And um, that I just don't, I don't have any more time to waste by shrinking back and um, putting a muzzle in my own mouth when other people already want to do that. And um, I think that is why, like, cause I, at first I was like, oh, after I came back from seminary, I was like, okay, well, um, you know, I got married and people were like, oh, are you just going to stay at home? You should just do that. And I was like, well, you know, I think that's a great call, but I don't think it's my call. And mm-hmm. I remember getting pushed back from the Christian community about that because they were just like, well, you know, you, you know, why would you want to preach? That's just not what women do. Women don't do that. I'm like, what? you but we don't need to be friends no I'm just kidding um but just being confused even in that where I'm like am I asking for too much should I just be happy with my slowly growing middle class experience or should I you know try to be obedient should I you know and I I think that that's it's just the what baffles me is that God gives us choice sometimes I wish he didn't but then what also baffles me is that when he gives you choice that you would be disobedient and not follow what's just what you were created to do. I think when I look back at the story of being a PK and being in a church playing family, I was literally wired to do exactly what I'm doing. And Mm -hmm. I don't, 
ever want there to be a point where the pain and suffering I've experienced or my parents have or my mother's mother has experienced is wasted. I want everything to be worth it. And so for me, I have to, I want to, I want to reap the blessing out of the pain that I've experienced. So I have to keep moving forward. Mm. So that I can actually see those things bear the fruit they were intended to bear. If the racial trauma I experienced in seminary stays there, then I cannot see the benefit of God's calling me there, God's training of me there. So I just, it's really important for me to reap the blessing of everything that every experience God has put me through, whether good or bad. And so um, I first started part time and then I, ended up full time and then I was like I should I guess I should get ordained I have my you know seminary degree I have my you know masters and bachelors this is what I'm called to do this is what I should be doing and I, just having even having to battle myself in that um but seeing that there was a void and that we don't exist like we don't really exist and um we should exist <laughs> and and oftentimes we don't exist because um either of bears in our own community or bears in other communities. Um, mm. I found that it was really hard to acknowledge that there are a lot of black churches that would not ordain women, but then there are a lot of white churches that will ordain you, but not let you lead. <laughs> They'll give you the certificate, oh, but you know, um, but then even wrestling with that. So it's like, do which, which is the lesser of two evils? What can I navigate through? What am I called to navigate through? Which mm. space am I called to navigate through? Yeah. Um, am I, you know, Sexism or racism, and I hate that that yeah. had to be the choice. Um, it just, it you know. But even in spite of that, and thinking through that, and um, growing and pushing through that, it's important to be obedient. And so I just really felt like, okay, if God has given me these skills and talents and calling, then I need to use use them to the fullest of the capacity that I can. And so I think that's what kind of pushed me from just wanting to sing and wanting to organize services to really using music to shape and pastor people through life. And also realizing that like, there's always a void of discipleship. And so that we can't just count on oh. small group and a sermon to disciple people. Every aspect from when people walk Absolutely. in the doors of church to when they leave needs to be shaping them into the likeness of Christ. Um, so music and any kind of creative arts is super important. And that's why like at my church, oh. I oversee the dance ministry and stage design and lighting crew and sound and kids choirs and adults choir. Like it's important that creativity is a tool of discipleship, not this passive expression of God. It's just, we don't have time for it, especially now in our one hour services, like every oh. second has to count because people are not sitting around tables talking about God like they used to. People aren't wow. going to yeah. Bible studies like they used to. People aren't reading their words like they used to. Um, and, you know, mm. should we do more of that? Yes. But with the time that God has graced me to lead with, I'm going to try to use literally everything to point arrows and make connections to the goodness of God. Um, and since creativity is my gift, then that's, that's what I got to do. Yeah. I mean, in so many ways, Kimberly, I, my experience of you, I think of you as, as a liturgist um, and that and I've I've just I've seen you lead um, people uh, to the Lord uh, through music, um, through making space. Um, and you're just 
you know, you're just an incredibly um, just just blessed, gifted, and and sweet soul. We're so grateful to have you here. Um, oh, <laughs> is is there a and and also you're from Baltimore too? But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore bias up in here. I ain't hey, mad. That's I'm, all right. We, I love we, seafood. We're a very we're a very accepting people, so you know we'll let we'll, we'll, let, we'll, we'll let you into the city, but um, we'll allow it. So, Kimberly, is there a song when I because um, that's because that's really what I when I think about my experience of you um, you just ministering to others through song. Is there a song right now that is blessing you that you think would also bless our listeners? And if you and if you can recall, yeah. could you share that with us? Yeah, um, the song right now um, that is just has just been on my heart is uh, "Falling in Love with Jesus," and I love this song because I think um, as I look back over my life, <laughs> I I feel like I'm saying as I look back over um, that's a song too, but <laughs> um, yeah, as I look back over the journey, yeah, <laughs> uh, the journey thus far. Um, I still can say with the spouts of depression that happen, with the trauma, mm. with the forgiveness that hasn't, um, the times you have to forgive and the other person never even extended um, an apology, all of, all of the moments that have really been hard and the setbacks, I still think that falling in love with Jesus is the best thing that I ever have done. The best decision mm. I've ever made, um, even in spite of the pain. And so that's, that's my song. I can sing a little bit of it too. Please. <laughs> falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever, ever done. So mm. <laughs> oh, beautiful, Kimberly. Thank you. And I'm wondering, I mean, just while we hearing you sing, I also want to tell people that you rap too. <laughs> I do rap. That's my Baltimore coming out. <laughs> it is. A lot of it is. You do rap too. I got Literally. a few bars. Yes, I got a few bars. A few bars. Don't, don't we all have a few bars? Don't we all? Yeah, there you go. There you go. No, but she raps too. Um, and also, um, Kimberly, if they, if our listeners want to, um, you know, listen to more of your music, and uh, we're not done yet, but I just, since you already sang, I just want people to be able to go and get your singles and all of those things. Yeah. How can they do that? So I'm on Spotify. I'm also on iTunes and um, YouTube and I'm under, I am Kimberly. So you can also follow me on Instagram and all of the social media things, yeah. but um, if you just type in Kimberly Williams or I am Kimberly, you'll find me there. Yes, yes, yes. Y'all and her, um, her latest single, um, Oh Come, Oh Come Emmanuel. Oh my goodness. It's beautiful. It is mm. beautiful. You can get, get, get that on Spotify, iTunes, all the things. Um, but yes, before we go, we cannot, it's not a real Black Girl Magic episode without 
our forced fun segment. Yay! Yay! We still don't have a theme song for it. (laughs) But this is the fun, fun segment of the show where we just hit you with some, um, how can I say, lightning round questions. You guys think right (laughs) on your toes and and make a choice. Okay. okay? So it's time for forced fun, forced fun, forced fun. All right. So the first question is it's a one gotta go type of question all right okay so you got some choice you gotta eliminate you gotta choose one that has to go are you ready i think so okay. all <laughs> this right. is so, so intense so intense. <laughs> this is serious this is serious okay all right one gotta go shaka aretha anita whitney which one of the four has to go? Oh, Lord. Serious. For a singer, this is serious. This is very difficult. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Shaka. Wow. Okay, Shaka. Now, what made you Aretha raised Shaka? me, okay? Yes, she yes, I understand me. that. Why Shaka? And Whitney. And <sighs> um, I, I'm just, I mean, Aretha raised me. Whitney Houston is, I mean, she's just a pop icon and I don't know. I just right. feel bad for her still. I don't know. I just, <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, like, do I regret my decision? No, I think, yeah, I would have to say <laughs> Shaka didn't have as much influence. <laughs> Look, look, we've, we've never had any, we've never had anyone real time have that question yeah. of like, did I do the right thing? Did yeah. I do the right thing? Oh, I don't know. Forgive me, That's why it's called, one hey. gotta go. It's hard. It's hard. Yes. It's, hard. You know, it's all good. Yes. You know, and, and Shaka's one of those people who I feel like every time I see her on stuff, like she seems like she would give you a dirty look if she knew that you, she that you got rid of her, that you got rid of her. I'm just saying. <laughs> Would. She would challenge you to a singing competition. I feel like. I know. Oh, you think? Oh, you? Oh, you? You eliminate? She would me. win. I'm sorry. <laughs> <She's gonna> win. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next question that we have for you: If you could have any superpower um, in the world, <laughs> in the world, what, in the world, what, what since they're right? in the world, superpowers are in the world. They're just sitting around in the world. They're floating around. What superpower would you choose, and why? Ooh. Man, um, I think I would want to have a healing power. That sounds mm. churchy, but I'm so serious though. Cause I think a lot of times I, when I'm leading worship, I really, I really believe that like, okay. So, okay. Just go with me here. I, there've been times <laughs> where I've been sick and oh my. <laughs> I've been like really sick and I've gone into spaces to lead worship or participation worship. And like my cold has gone away. I've literally been healed. I had an experience wow. going to Kenya and I had an allergy and I was healed in Kenya. So I just feel like I would love to have, like, I know that God is a healer, but if I could imitate my father, I would love to be able to like, you know, revive people or like heal them like in the movies Cause I don't really want to fight. I don't want to fight nobody. I just want to come in at the end and lay hands on people and 
So that would be my exactly. Exactly. Kimberly, Kimberly is not here for the fighting. She's not here for the drama. I'm not. No. I just want to look cute yeah. in the background and then come in at the end. You are a reconciler for real. Like you are about that life. For real, she ain't playing with us. No, no, no I, I, I've got one for you. You already told us that um, "Falling in Love with Jesus" is a song that's been ministering to you. But outside of that song, if we were to go into your car and just cruise around with you, what song would be on repeat for you? Mm. Ooh, so mm, right now. Right now, Kimberly. Yeah, right or, now. Yikes. Okay. Right now. So what people don't know about me is that I'm a little <laughs> ratchet and I'm obsessed with Nicki Minaj. Wow. She's extremely controversial. Plot She's twist, the Kimberly. opposite. It's a plot twist. So right now it would be her new single, Yikes. Um, oh. It's inappropriate. Please listen to the edited version of it. It just would be, I have always been drawn to women who say and do things I would never do. Um, of course, I would want to do it, you know, for the glory of God. But she's just honest and like brutally honest, even if it hurts. And so, um, yeah, right now it would be Yikes by Nicki Minaj. It's just, yeah. That's it. Awesome. <laughs> Look at that. Plot we are here for the when you get to the table, you guys plot all I the know. way. Through. I, 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 I so appreciate your transparency today. Just, <laughs> you have the, the transparency on you. Look at me that. Too. Me too. Me too. Man, well, Kimberly, we just want to thank you so much just for your sharing your life, honestly, with us, sharing your story, um, and even sharing even some of your trauma. I know that's not easy uh, to do at all uh and i i know that our sisters at the table uh are going to really appreciate your story your authenticity and your beautiful voice thank you for sharing and singing falling in love with jesus for us at the table oh my goodness um and uh kimberly one more time if you could tell us our listeners how they can follow you and follow your work um and then christina will actually um pray for you and we will close the show Great. Yes. And thank you so much for having me. This is a joy. I'm a super fan of Truth Table and I'm just geeking out that I'm here. Um, yay. But um, you can follow me. Um, one of the main places I post is Instagram. Um, so follow me on at I am Kimberly W. And um, I'm also on Spotify and iTunes and YouTube um, and Facebook. So feel free to just look me up and find me there and find my music there. I'm also really excited because the Christmas single was kind of just the beginning, but I'm going to um, kind of expand. And I really want to create um, just music that talks about not only like Lent and Advent, but through the eyes of people who are suffering and who are mm. actually longing for a Jesus. Um, so I'm really excited. And that mm. project's going to be coming out in a few months. So stay yes. tuned for that and follow me. That is awesome. Wonderful. Awesome, Thank you. Kimberly. What a gift you are. And I, I just like to close us out with, in prayer, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you that um, you bring us together to experience the gifts that you have given others so that we can be built up. And Lord, I just want to thank you for the gifts that you have given to our sister, Kimberly. Um, I thank you that she... Um, is, is a reconciler, that she is a peacemaker. Um, I thank you that she is willing to share her gifts of music and her gifts of teaching uh, with your people. 
even when they're difficult and hard, Lord. Um, I thank you that she blooms wherever you plant her, even if it's rocky soil, Lord. And I thank you that um, she is teaching all of us something right now about uh, doing the work that you have called us to do, no matter where we are. Mm -hmm. Um, I thank you that you have opened new doors for her and new opportunities. And I pray that you will continue um, to grow her in her faith that you will continue to reveal your word to her by your spirit. Um, I pray that you would give her favor um, and mentorship and um, kind people within the Mm. church to surround her. Um, I pray that you will bless um, Urban Doxology um, and that and all the women and men who um, make that ministry what it is, Lord. Um, I pray that our dear sister Kimberly will have more and more days of joy in worshiping you, even as she ministers uh, to others uh, in places of deep, deep suffering. Lord, bless this creative work that's coming forth. It is a time and season of deep suffering for many people, Lord, and I pray that your spirit by your spirit, that you will make this um, a word for your people at this time, a healing balm, Lord. Um, And we thank you that that you even put that on her heart already to do. It is in your name that we pray and we find our hope. Amen. 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 Wow. Well, thank you so much for sitting at the table with us, Kimberly. We will make sure to include um, all your social media handles on our show notes. Y'all need to be, I hope y'all read our show notes. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Right. Of course. But it's there. We're going to put it there. Um, And we want to thank our sisters for taking a seat at the table with us. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about black girl magic with Kimberly Williams using the hashtag Truth Table. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Truth Table or email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account now, so you can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truthstable or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truthstable. 